So hey everyone, we're here in the snake pit and we're going to talk uh, DMT today. DMT. Joe Rogan. No, no, no. Joe Rogan. What? No, Dave Mayer talk. Oh. oh. What were you thinking of? I don't know. We're not Joe Rogan parallel here. You just like come up with stuff, stuff sometimes. I know you like UFC. I do. Yeah, I do like the UFC sometimes. All right, well, we're going to do we're going to do DMT today, which is not the Joe Rogan thing. No, guys, we have a packed house in the snake pit today, okay? Listen, I am so hyped. We've got we've got Jim. Tick, tick. We've got Ryan, a.k.a. Snake. Yeah, I've been hyping myself up with Lose Yourself all day today. Okay, all right. Yeah. Eight Mile Soundtrack, classic. That's right. That's right. We have Adam Bojack. Hello, hello. Thank you again for having me back. Ryan, we got to get him like a punch card. This is his third time. <laughs> yeah. This is like Subway. He's gonna get a free a free sub, even though we fed him. Um, but Adam, we're gonna we're gonna get you something. And oh, we have uh, some guy by the name of Dave Weigel from the Washington Post. How's it going, Dave? Glad to have you here. What do you think of uh, what did you think of the, the pizza and the, and the food we gave you before the show? Was it great? It was great, and it came with high expectations because as soon as I said I was coming to Buffalo, all my mansions were like, you need to try these seven places in this order, <laughs> which I haven't had really time to do. So this is, this is great. Well, let me let me speak to all those people saying, you can all go to hell. Your recommendations <laughs> are bad. Only we make the good recommendations. We'll feed Dave the good stuff here at the Square Podcast. Dave, you're not just here to talk. We talk about the news of the week, listener. If you're a, if you're a real squarehead, you know we, we talk about the news of the week. Well, the news of this week and pretty much the next few weeks is going to be the damn mayoral race. It just keeps happening, and we're going to keep yelling about it because we yell about the news here. And Dave, you know, you cover the news, and uh, you came here to cover this news, man. Mm-hmm. No, I've been fascinated by it. Really, uh, I think I was telling you guys earlier, I was tipped off by... Working Families Party about India's campaign a couple months before it happened, and I, I was regretting not chasing it sooner. I talked to her on election night, and remember on election night, there's this feeling: okay, well, Buffalo, but the mayor lost the primary, so Buffalo is going to be you know the biggest American city to have a socialist mayor. And people can mention David Dinkins was DSA, but biggest American city to have a socialist mayor since uh, since Milwaukee, you know, almost ninety years ago, and that was my angle at first. So I kept following the ballot and the write-in machinations, and something has been happening every week. So in addition to all the dynamics and the issues in the race, there's been something to cover. And I I paid attention. I beat at the post his campaigns, and I'd much rather talk about and cover these something like this, (laughs) all the the ways this fight is spilling into courts, Republicans getting trying to get the mayor on uh, on the ballot, Democrats being silent, not endorsing her. Just been something every week that I think had, a, had has had has a larger implication, but also just is good on its own. Like not everything needs to be a story that will tell you the entire future of the America uh, of America. Although as I've been here, I think there's stuff that's going to repeat around the country. You know, it's amazing. Dave, I, I say this like to my friends here, but you being the national guy we have in, Buffalo's kind of like the hellmouth, where things happen here mm-hmm. that like spill out to the rest of the country. Like Scientology pretty much started here. Mm-hmm. It, it started out in East Aurora. It was like L. Ron Hubbard's cousin, mm-hmm. who was like the the precursor to Scientology. Excuse me, do not slander Albert Hubbard <laughs> in my presence. <laughs> right. I wouldn't dream of it, right. Adam. The, right, just just slander the arts and crafts movement. Sure. The Roycroft is 
unassailable. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you're in the pocket of uh, Big Roycroft over there. <laughs> <laughs> but things happen. Things happen here in Buffalo that ultimately resemble and then don't resemble a lot of national trends. Um, wh- what was the thing that I mean? What sort of because I know you've been I, I follow you on Twitter. I've been following you for years. Mm-hmm. What was the hook? I mean, I know was it socialist mayor or was it like democratic establishment has you know ultimately been taken over by the left wing flank or is democratic establishment eats shit on election day yeah it's kind of all that i think the first reaction on election night was kind of a like a head turn like what happened (laughs) was people who were not paying a ton of attention to the mayor's race the new york York city is the same day all the all the municipals are the same day uh and new york city was getting all the attention there was very little attention in buffalo i mean i think there was one one good profile of the race or two that were outside the Buffalo Buffalo media, which I, I, I was, has been doing good stuff on it. And so the first hook was, I remember I, after the election results, kind of describing it and seeing what editors were interested in. It was the idea of, of a socialist becoming mayor. That was the first hook. And I think there's been a little bit less national attention on the ballot machinations and on the Democratic Party's role. Apart from, you know, people like me will be on Twitter and retweet something that's happening here, but you won't see a follow-up story in CNN or... Mm-hmm. Uh, the post beyond my newsletter, I'll have updates. But this is the first long story I'm writing about it now. But that that was the first hook, and I feel that that's still what, what people have in mind. I think there's going to be people who paid attention a little bit in June, and in November they're going to find out either she wins and oh yeah that was happening, or she loses, and they'll say what what happened. And I'm trying to you know, write, so that's not as much of a surprise to people what Dave, is happening here. Dave, what I will say is don't feel too bad about not paying a huge amount of attention early on because. Nobody else did, like you were just saying. Yeah, and we so, did. Well, we did. yes. The Square Podcast. <laughs> we were here from the jump, baby. <laughs> ahead of the curve, 100%. But at, at the election day party, back at the primary, we had, I think, one reporter in the room. Mm-hmm. and it, Of course, Jeff Kelly from Our boy. Post. He, he, he was there from day one. And even most local media did not pay the campaign much attention. And then the second those results started rolling in and they were looking really favorable to, mm-hmm. to India they started showing up in droves to our party. Like, oh, wait, wait, where, where's India's campaign? We got to go find them. We got to be there. And all of a sudden, there's 20 cameras. That's so, funny. That, that reminds me a little bit uh, when AOC won 2018 in that primary. I knew reporters who had covered it a little bit, but the word, and, and this is the same thing here. If there's a incumbent with some clout and that you have a relationship with them, they can kind of push back and say, do you really want to cover this campaign that's not going anywhere? So there are people who covered it, but then they went that night to Staten Island to cover this uh, this race between the Michael Grimm and Dan Donovan, this Republican mm-hmm. primary that everyone's forgotten about. And they just had to like, <laughs> navigate from Staten Island to Queens in order to make it to the <laughs> AOC party. But when AOC got to that party, you, you've seen the, the video of her being shocked. She was she was shocked. Classic I mean, video. I would talk to the campaign the day before. They were not confident they were winning. They were mm-hmm. like, we're going to put a shock in it. Like, she's a good candidate for state senate, maybe. I'm not saying her... Um, other people, there were a lot of people in New York kind of rooting for it and, and like, well, let's not get too excited. And so I think it is. I mean, there's some learned um, helplessness, maybe, when people, <laughs> uh, which is a thing that I think Republicans have gone very far in the other direction, right? Republicans, and I saw this in California covering the recall. No matter what the data is, they're like, yeah, there's more of us than there are of them. We're confident of that. Um, with, with people on the left, and you know, political science is borne this out. People just assume people are more conservative than they actually are. 100%. And so I, I, I wasn't surprised to see the same sort of thing happening here. But this race, I mean, I think it came a month, the primary, I mean, a month after Pittsburgh, which was the same thing, and almost nobody paid attention. 
not the same thing, but there was a, a black state rep challenging a mayor going like for an extra one more term than people thought he really deserved. Almost nobody wrote about it. And they much and not like a socialist, but but a more progressive mm-hmm. mayor knocked him off. Cities around the country, you've seen you've seen these gains, and, and a lot of times they're not really reported until the last minute. They're like, oh, is this happening? Or mm-hmm. after. <laughs> they're yeah, like, right. oh, I guess this, this the people who don't have the right connections, don't have the right endorsements or enough money, they won somehow. Yeah, right, right uh, yeah. down to the 90 in, in Rochester with Lovely Warren. She yeah, was yeah. an embattled incumbent mayor, and, and she lost her primary at the same Got time. Got creamed, too. Yeah. 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 That one's close. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and there was a trickle-down effect here in Buffalo mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it has gotten some mention. The sheriff's race here, the county sheriff's race, which yeah. Grover Cleveland famously started as Erie County Sheriff and then moved to mayor of Buffalo. And then mm-hmm. I, he did something after that, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, but he had, had some fun. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he had a great name. Right. Yeah. The, but the sheriff's race here was you know, the endorsed Democratic candidate was like this white guy with a buzz cut from a suburb who was like a lieutenant police officer. And there was this upstart black woman who was a former Buffalo police officer running a primary against him. Who knows exactly how the votes played across, but I tend to think that realistically my analysis of it is that India helped drag Kim Beattie Mm-hmm. To I mean, and Kim Beatty ended up having a pretty substantial victory. But now you've got you're talking about in in Erie County. We talked about we joked about it being the center of the political universe, Buffalo we, baby. That's we're the locus point of everything, <laughs> right? We, we got Governor Kathy Hochul. Mm-hmm. Now we've got very likely a black female sheriff for the first time in the history. Starbucks Union, Starbucks Union, uh, the black female sheriff because there's three Republicans on the ballot against her. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she's running against a split ticket. You know, we've got close to my heart, Mike Caputo wanting to run for city assembly next year mm-hmm. bringing in national crazy money mm-hmm. and then of course we've got this mayor's race mm-hmm. where you know you've got you know an avowed democratic socialist running and it's not like brown was just a four-term incumbent at one point he was chairman of the state democratic party in new york state he was and he was when when uh uh, Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State. They he was floated, and it, it was people around him floating it. I think, but floated as a possible senator. I mean, he's right. been uh, a big, a pretty big deal inside the party for quite a while. And I, and I, and his, I think his national profile had shrunk since then. Mm-hmm. But that point points to some of the surprise. And I, I was surprised that I, I was sweating. Like I'm, I'm coming here kind of late. Are there going to be a bunch of you know magazine writers who come in and beat me? I'm surprised more people weren't interested in in all of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there was a, seemed to be a, either that as far as Byron Brown that or he expected to be in the White House in the cabinet in some way. He was yeah. expecting an appointment, and so when Hillary historically lost in 2016. He pretty much said, well, I guess I'm going to be mayor forever then. Yeah, right. That's pretty much what he's been doing. Well, he thought he was going to be in some kind of, you know, cabinet position somewhere until the FBI raided his office every two years. <laughs> right, right. We, we've talked about this on the podcast. And I mean, this, I, I don't know how much you know about this, Dave, because it, it got a lot of press locally, but maybe not nationally. But the FBI raided like his office, yeah. his deputy mayor's home, the former Erie County. Demo- Hit that slide whistle at him. Yep. <laughs> Former uh, Erie County Democratic chairman's home and the home of the chief of staff for Chris Collins mm-hmm. all at the same time. Oh, we, there was a little bit of coverage, but it wasn't. I feel like the the coverage of a politician, politician going down, unless a big deal is made of it for some reason by a party. Uh, there's people who feed, kind of feed stuff and see if the media picks up on it. Like, hey, you're covering this. What about this example of Democratic criminality? And you didn't really see a lot of that. 
I mean, I was aware of it coming into right, and, and, but, yeah. uh, cause, well, but in terms of his national ambitions, you heard less of him after that, but you didn't hear scandalize right. me around Brown. It, it kind of it kind of stomped on his like his little fire that he had going. But it was weird because it was like, well, it wasn't weird if you're involved in the inside baseball here, mm-hmm. but if you're if you came out from an outside viewpoint to see like why is the Democratic chairman. Mm-hmm. And like the highest elected Democrat in the area and the chief of staff of the Republican congressman, why are they all tied together? Mm-hmm. And like for a little bit of history here, when Chris Collins, before he was a member of Congress, was county executive, mm-hmm. the Republicans lost the majority in the county legislature. So he couldn't get what he wanted passed. So he worked with Byron Brown to get a couple of de- city Democrats to flip to the majority of the county legislature to the Republican control. Mm-hmm. And Byron and Chris Collins had a close working relationship from that ever after. So Chris Grant, big dog strategies, oof, oof. who is, was chief of staff for Chris Collins yeah. for a long time and is now a national something or other something. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, he ran more other than something. Right. But. He ran Karen Housley's campaign two years ago and, mm-hmm. and um, he runs national campaigns. Byron Brown and Chris Grant became very close mm. when it came time to this year for Byron to run independent nominating petitions three months after the fact, leaning into the Republicans. It wasn't like it was his first foray into it, like yeah. talking to Republicans. He had a, an avenue to go to. And so as again, the investigative post and Jeff Kelly documented locally, these Republicans that ran petitions, these weren't like rank and file committee members. Mm-hmm. These were like board of elections employees and like former state assembly candidates and leaders of like the West New York watchmen right wing group. Like (laughs) these were like high profile Republicans up to the point of like Jonathan Dandy is even running petitions and he is executive vice president for rich products and was president of the uh, Buffalo baseball operations. And he's not the first person to do this, right? To lose a primary, then run as an independent and specifically even as a write in. It has, it reminds me of what happened that some of the other races I covered, which was, you know, Joe Lieberman, 2006 and Lisa Murkowski in 2010 where they had an existing relationship with the other party right mm-hmm. like Lieberman actually got elected beating a liberal Republican with some conservative support it was not hard for him to say well you know me come on let, let's team up and, and win this and same thing Lisa Murkowski she was attacked by by the right in Alaska so Democrats had some fond feelings for her she was pro-choice she said well you know me like write me in and so that has been important. The Republican support for him was not a thing that he wanted to expand on in great detail. <laughs> but he's he emphasized, I always work with everybody. I mean, I've always been a mayor who can talk to Republicans and talk to you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which doesn't seem bogus, but as you say, <laughs> like well, there's when, more to it than just they go to the same, you know, they go to the same happy hour or something. Right? Yeah, and especially when you think that uh, in the city of Buffalo, there are more than two to one Democrats to Republicans. Yeah. Uh, like, why? Why are you... You know, bending over backwards for the Republicans. Right. Well, and also, you know, we ain't Connecticut, and Indy Walton is not Ned Lamont. All right? And also, we, we talked about this because we did He's a little... He's the governor now. He's not that bad. Uh, well, uh, oh, <laughs> you say that. I mean, I as have, a candidate, he, like, right. lost one. Yeah, he might listen to this now. We have no smoke with the governor of, governor of Connecticut. I want to put that on the record. Right. I love Connecticut. Love it's it. a great state. Great, great state. Hartford, lo- we love it. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, to, to circle back a, a little bit, I, well, first off, with that writing campaign in Connecticut, notably, mm-hmm. Ned Lamont, uh, excuse me, Joe Lieberman had actually begun uh, to get on the Joe Lieberman, Joe Connecticut Lieberman for Lieberman Party, Connecticut for Lieberman yeah. Party before the primary, whereas Byron Brown lost his primary and had no, like, no 
plan of attack otherwise. Like, in, in, a, in a fusion voting state. Yes. And like, there were ways he could have, you know, been the independent <laughs> no, nominee or... Uh, and it just it just didn't happen. And he he actually I think there's just no spin. He he owns up to that. Right. I, mean, it, I mean, I think one thing he was telling me was like, well, people see I'm out there now. And I said, by now do you mean like you weren't before the primary? He's like, yes. <laughs> he just he's not sugarcoat things. It's, it's and not put wild. the work in first. So he's had to scramble uh, to to put this together now. And that's been one of the the best arguments against him in court is. Uh, two or three other people also got on independent lines. So mm-hmm. it's not like it was so hard that he didn't know how to do it or he wasn't able to do it. Other people did it. Right. And in the sheriff's race, Kim Beattie, who was not the endorsed Democrat, has a minor party line. John Garcia, who won the Republican primary, who was not the endorsed Republican, has a minor party, like an independent nominating line. And Ted Donato. Ted Donato, right. These And these are people who, unlike the mayor... Haven't been in elected office for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're they're and not. Also, I mean, Cuomo did this when he ran for reelection. I think in twenty fourteen, where he just created the Women's Equality Party, yeah. knowing that the WFP was going to be the ballot. We don't need to get into all that, but creating a safety is the thing that you can you can do in New York, especially. Right. And he didn't do that. And I mean, and he just, but he doesn't say you know, he doesn't say otherwise. He can't. He just, he just owns up and says, I mean, this is kind of what Lieberman was. Yes, you were saying, but Lieberman, I remember the night he uh, he lost. He said, "Ready for like." That round one's over. Time for round two, and that was how he framed it. It's the same way the mayor fra- frames it. Just like oh, it wasn't a, re- you know, I. Right. It was an election where not many people voted. The real election with with the entire electorate is coming up. So that's how he frames it. Well, and you bring up WFP, and there's actually a, a bit of history here with the Walton campaign. Mm-hmm. So we we've, we've been covering this. One of the, by and large, I think. And again, we're not objective observers here. You know, we're we're pretty in the sure. tank. Adam worked on the campaign. You know, we we love India here, and uh, you know, we're big fans, mostly because we want early access, but also because we like her. She's great. <laughs> but one of one of the biggest follies of her campaign, notably, was the failure to get on the working families line yeah. over the summer. She, you know, tried, and then there was a dispute over the signatures or the submission of when she would get on the line. And she, ultimately she did not get right. On the she she didn't file the acceptance in time. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're like the thing that gets way for Democrats all the time. Like, right. a, or sorry, I shouldn't say for Democrats, but this is, there is, I find, you know, the policies the parties pursue nationally are very different. I'm not one of those two party duopoly people, but when it comes to ballot laws, when they control it, they can kick people off the ballot and, you create a precedent, and the precedent can bite you. But I mean, I, I saw this last year with uh, you know Kanye West losing, I think, three ballots that he he they, they thought they filed correctly, but it was mistakes like one unsigned thing, one thing filed twenty seconds after the deadline. The things that you definitely, in a, if if you know a judge, and it, you can get you can get waved off if the party if the cartel's like no, <laughs> right, <laughs> then, right. then you can find a way to kick them off. Yeah, yeah that, that's what it comes down to. Is, is yeah. election law when it's a challenger or somebody outside the mainstream, it is incredibly strict. You know, yeah. two, two years ago here in Buffalo, we had a bunch of uh, progressive women that were kind of running uh, for common council seats together and they screwed up on their petitions. You know, mm. they, they didn't have in their jurat, it didn't say the party designation of the person who carried it. Mm. And they took it to court and everything, but they lost because mm. they said, well, this is a pretty straightforward law. It says you have to do this and you, you didn't do it. And therefore you, none of you are on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you know, like, oh, well, it's a, a guy who's been in office for 15 years. It's a little bit more squishy. And in all, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they really do change the rules when it suits them. Well, although noticeably going back to the sheriff's race, where so the endorsed Republican candidate had the conservative line. And actually, this is where the minor party and the fusion voting mm-hmm. in New York State gets out of control. Yeah. Is the conservatives endorsed first. 
Mm, okay. And so the Republicans didn't necessarily want to endorse Karen Healy case, but felt they had to because the conservatives had already decided that that's who they were supporting. Mm. And when Karen Healy case lost the primary for sheriff to John Garcia, well, the only way to get somebody off the ballot at that point is to appoint them to a judgeship and she doesn't have a law degree. And the only reason why that is like codified law in New York state is because of prior Republican lawsuits against Democrats trying to get people off the ballot. So the, this is, this is one of those things where like Republican lawsuits from five years ago came to kill them because they wanted to get her off the ballot and get her off the conservative line. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't make her a judge because she's just a retired cop. She's not a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I remember the judge role because, because uh, when AOC beat Crowley, he still had the WFP endorsement, mm-hmm. and uh, and it wasn't it was like a tempest in a teapot. But the AOC campaign kept asking, are "You are you going to just nominate him for a judge, for a judgeship <laughs> somewhere that he can lose?" And they they end up not doing it. They said it's, it's not going. It didn't really matter. Like no yeah. one really. There wasn't a real effort to elect Crowley. But that is. But the he didn't kind run. Of, he didn't run a write-in campaign. He didn't run a write-in campaign. No, <laughs> he, he did give up. He did concede. You 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 won, etc. And he, he's just uh, lobbying mm-hmm. now. But yeah, no, you end up building these. Let's like plug in a bunch of. Of, uh, you know, plugging an ex- uh, a, a extender into a into a power cord into another extender, <laughs> you, end up, you end up just having laws on top, like precedents on top of precedents that are all crazy. Because for depending on the case, people the party wants people on or he wants them off. So we're big fans here at the Square of how the sausage gets made. That's yeah. that's part of the reason why the listeners they tune into us uh, mostly because they're political junkies and and kind of freaks about that's, it. That's the only reason I'm on the show. That's the only reason Jim is here. I'm here for the good vibes. Mm-hmm. But you know these people they want to know how these things get done. So when we have a national political reporter in our backyard, it was fascinating, Dave, to watch you last night at an event for India Walton. You were taking the pictures and you were doing the you 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 had your feet on the ground. You were talking to people. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, you didn't farm it out to other people. You you did the work. Mm-hmm. You you were the man on the trail. What's it been I think like? We're done here. Great interview. What's it been like to be the man on the beat here in Western New York in Buffalo? I mean, it's fun. It's uh, I I was just actually DMing with a friend who I, I forgot was from Buffalo, and everyone's very excited. You get to see the city that I mean it doesn't have one of it, it, the national reputation for Buffalo people know that the bills are there but oh uh, they're from that city that that has been losing population that's kind of all they know about it and I'd heard I mean I'd heard from actually people from that and from from, from my friend Brandon people who come up here just how how pretty it is what a, what a well put together city it is so I I wanted to not be glib and and you know have too many references to the giant art deco city hall and things like that I wanted to talk to people so that's I mean a lot of what I've done here is just say all right uh, I know, like, I, I have an idea of what I don't know. Just kind of fill me in, and then interviewing voters, it's it's a little more simple. I mean, I, and I and then we'll probably talk about this, but talking to brown voters especially, they go right to the police issue. There's not anything else specific <laughs> that that a lot that a lot of the, the hardcore anti I should say anti Walton, the people who more are just adamant against her. They don't go through every single development that's happened in the city over the last 16 years. It's just she's going to make us unsafe. We're going to lose. We're going to lose everything if, if that happens. I've had a good time here. I mean, you always. What's the right amount of time to spend to really embed in it? I mean, I just I always like I have a hotel. Uh, I leave my stuff in there, and I try to not spend any time in it, and just just see what, what's going on, and talk to people. If you've ever watched a CBS NFL broadcast, you know the only things you need to know. The flyover of Niagara Falls, <laughs> the guy throwing the wings in the sauce. <laughs> that's it. That's that's, that's <laughs> Buffalo. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they, they threw our man Weigel here, not only in the West Side, uh, you know, you're, you're in the West Side covering on the beat, but also in the First Ward, mm-hmm. which what a study in contrast those two neighborhoods are. Mm. Both similar, yet could not be more different. I mean, again, you're only here for a couple days now, but anything other other than the, the police issue, I mean, any other things that you sort of gleaned from being around the Walton people versus the Brown people or the anti-Walton people? Like, mm-hmm. were there any, any common sentiments? Even from, I mean, again, we're supporters of it. You wanted to talk to people, you got us. Um, but what, what, was there anything that you heard positive, I guess, from, from the pro Walton folks that yeah. really struck you? And one more thing, also Lovejoy. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Earlier today, Lovejoy as well. How did I put it? I, I would say everyone I've talked to, even, even Walton voters, uh, mo- many of the Walton voters, they don't say things are worse than they were when Brown got in. Uh, they give him some credit for some of the investment in the city is just frustration that it went to one part, not the other. And, and Brown's answer is look at all the investment, look at the diverse hiring I've done in, in, uh, in the East Buffalo. Those came up, but, but it, the Brown voters generally are fairly sad. It wasn't even that they were satisfied and everything has been fixed, but they're, they're, they'll, they'll point to, Hey, we know somebody moved back. Property values gone up and then fear of what Walton would do. And then the, the vision they have of Walton is that she'd go in, she's going to raise taxes and everyone's going to leave. And Brown even kind of leans into this and says, you know, I've had I've had to kind of talk to people and say like, here's how the election works. You know, there's no reason to get out. There's no reason to not build that. There's no reason to not invest in that, which has been interesting. I have not heard as much. I mean, even the FBI uh, raids. I had I really haven't had heard voters mm-hmm. talk about it when I've even pressed on it. Uh, I don't know why that hasn't. Sometimes it connects. Sometimes it doesn't. But then with with Walton vo- voters, you do hear more just that the the mayor's like is not here. The mayor has his friends. The mayor has his political organization. It, that's been more of it. The, the fact that he didn't really run a primary campaign, I mean, it means effectively he, you know, they hadn't seen him for like four years. And that or, comes up. Like, or where or longer, up? depending on which district, councilmatic oh, yeah. district they're in. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I would argue that, like, there's nine councilmatic districts here in, in, in mm-hmm. the city of Buffalo. And the one she did the best in Niagara District mm-hmm. has been essentially ignored by the mayor for 12 years. Mm. The, his first term in office, he kind of paid attention to it. But when he got his first primary by Mickey Kearns, uh, who was a South Buffalo Irish Democrat, the Hispanic community here, the Latinx community in Buffalo, supported Mickey. Mm. And that is predominantly the Niagara District West Side. Mm. And pretty much ever since then, Brown's told them where they can get help, and it's not from City Hall. Mm. Yeah, that, that That's the weirdest thing about Byron Brown is he – presents himself as this very stoic unemotional person usually when he's out in public but he is incredibly petty and he holds grudges like somebody like my people in my family I, i've got a, a, a polish family and they're mm-hmm. they like to hold grudges and that's, we'll get you therapy adam it's okay <laughs> <laughs> but he is an incredibly petty person and and as, as jim was saying he, he holds it against you he never forgets well it's and we can talk to this because like he was living in south buffalo after mickey ran that primary against him it was a joke, but not funny, where South Buffalo, like, you know, Buffalo, I don't know if you've heard, Dave, but we get some snow. Yeah. And like Buff- uh, South Buffalo was not getting plowed for like two, three days after a snowstorm. Mm. 
this and, and that's and that's where I was with him today, and he was getting cheered everywhere he went. Well, yeah, yeah. well, because like it, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my yeah. friend no, type was, of thing. That's what I felt from the dynamic following up the people along this par- this parade route, and then the parade. I forget if we mentioned it. It was the halfway to St. Patrick's Day parade, which is sort of a makeup <laughs> for the fact that they got canceled in twenty and twenty and twenty twenty one, and people brought their gear out, whatever. But I talked to a number of people who were like, "I've never voted for him before, but I'm I'm gonna now because I have to." Right. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of. De- it wasn't like a deep affection. There were people who, and I found there the one guy I talked to in particular. Um, he liked the marriage. He'd met him once, but it was it, it was intensified because he met Walton and couldn't stand her. He just thought Walton had like blown him off, and he had a, he had a tattoo on his arm that was a patriotic, you know, a, a military friend, but it was kind of it Latin, you know, Latin letters. It wasn't Mol, uh, Molan Labe, but, oh, but, it, but it, it wasn't that. But it was like a Latin and a flag and a gun, etc. And and he he swore to me that like she saw that and then like turned away, uh, that kind of thing. It was more. Uh, it was not, here are the specific things, and there are specific things that some people cite. Like, I did talk to other voters, like, oh, you look at the West Side now, look at, the, look at this development, look at how all the new stuff that moved in there. I heard more positive, but I heard a good amount of, in the South, in, 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 the, in the first word, of just negative that we can't have her. <laughs> What's the specific stuff about Brown is that we cannot ha- possibly have her. Well, and, and you mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's Jim or Dave, but somebody mentioned earlier about the tax thing that India Walton would raise taxes. She did come out and say she would support a modest tax increase. 3%, I think. She y- y- right. She did say she would support a, a tax increase, um, whereas Byron Brown has historically been no new taxes here in Buffalo. I'll, I'll uh, reevaluate your properties so you might pay 40% more in taxes because they've been reassessed. But I didn't raise the tax rate, so you can't blame me. Well, mm. exactly. So renter, so in the city of Buffalo, there was a recent, like Jim alluded to here, a, a recent property value reassessment mm. where effectively your taxes went up. If you own property in the city of Buffalo, your taxes went up. I don't even have a, I'm not a homeowner, so I don't yeah. fucking know. In certain neighborhoods, it could be triple or quadruple the the taxes you were paying because based on the, the gentrification in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. the, of course, as Jim was just saying, the tax rate went down and he loves to point to the fact that he lowered the tax rate, but because of the levy, they have to take in the same amount of money. And so that money gets spread around differently. Mm-hmm. And so in neighborhoods where... Uh, oh yeah, the the medical campus was built in a, a very low income neighborhood, and so all the houses that are around it have skyrocketed in value, and so now those people are paying two or three. The, the value of their houses has increased, and they haven't done a single thing, mm-hmm. and so now they're owing way more in taxes, and and a lot of them are on fixed incomes. It's right. it's, it's, it's well, ludicrous. It's it's one thing like in the west side of Buffalo where like mm-hmm. values have gone up two or three times. The medical campus, like the fruit belt, like you're talking about, those houses before the medical campus went in like eight to 10 years ago were like fifteen dollars to $20,000 houses. And now they're like $250,000 houses. Mm-hmm. So like, can you imagine the city hasn't reassessed in 10 years and you go from an assessed, paying taxes on an assessed value of $20,000 to now you're paying on two twenty. Mm-hmm. But the mayor can go and say, well, I haven't raised taxes at all. Mm-hmm. You're just paying 11 times more in taxes. Right. And neighborhoods like South Buffalo saw their taxes decrease because their property values did go up, but not at the same rate as other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so thanks to the levy, they actually have to pay less. Yeah. And, and that was the mood I got there was no, no one had any complaints about, about taxes. No one had when they were talking about their houses, it was that the value went up. It wasn't anything else. Part, part of that. I, I can get a sense yet of how well Walton has appealed to those sorts of voters who are, are paying a lot more right now. Uh, I mean, even the the focus I saw has been on just people who haven't been mobilized before and people who voted for in the primary 
the east side just vote, voters who there were voters who voted for brown that they think are are, are gettable because they, they didn't know who she was but now they do but uh, yeah that's interesting i don't know how the, the degree to which she has appealed to those people i don't know well it's that come brings back to like you know mm. our friend rusty weaver i was just about to shout him out at uh, rust belt geo this is our obligatory uh, rusty belt. shout out yeah. so he is the head of the think tank at the cornell institute of labor relations here in buffalo and he did a piece in jacobin or jacobin or whatever how we, you we know, still jacobin. don't know how to say it it's jacobin yeah. It's it's Jack. That's up for debate, right. Adam. Right, Jacques uh, Jacobin. <laughs> yes, we're more of the nasal Jacobin. But Jack, uh, uh, but he he did a piece on how India crushed it with renters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 part of it, the renters, the part of it, the people who own the property, has been assessed. I know about the renter owner gap, and even the mayor. When I was talking, that he he had nothing to say about renters. It was mostly about. Homeowners. We talked a little about the about the renters and right, and, 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 and so yeah. it doesn't. It, it makes sense that like yeah. he's doing well in South Buffalo because it is that makes sense. for mm-hmm. a of the councilmanic districts. It's probably the highest percentage owner occupied district. It's got the fewest number of doubles. I mean, the city of Buffalo, being an old Midwest Rust Belt city, across most of the city, a lot of the houses are doubles. So even if it's owner occupied. It's 50 50 mm-hmm. renter uh, occup- occupied. Yeah. South Buffalo isn't. It, it hence, tends to be more single families. And so, like, it's not surprising that, like, he's doing better with the owner occupied because that's who he appeals to. And, and it's not surprising that Niagara District, mm-hmm. Delaware District, Ellicott to a, a certain extent, he's getting crushed in these districts where they're heavily renter based because they didn't see that their taxes didn't go up. All they see is that because the assessments went up 100% or 40% or whatever, their rents are going up 40% or 80% mm-hmm. year after year. And they're like, how the fuck am I going to afford to go from $1,000 a month to $1,400 a month. I mean, obviously that's low end, but like, you know, that's a 40% increase. Yeah. That's insane to ask for somebody who, when they're like, well, this is my budget. And over the year, that's almost 5,000 bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. For reference, we have about 60% renters in the city of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And as a housing attorney, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a, a tenant that says, yeah, we're, we've been paying six or $700 a month, and all of a sudden, the landlord knows that they can get more because everything else in the neighborhood has gone up, and so they're raising our rent. We don't have rent control here. They have it downstate in, in New York City, the boroughs, but we do not have it here. You have to opt into it, and so, yeah, the, the landlord raised my rent to $1,100, mm-hmm. and so I can't stay here. It's basically being evicted without court proceeding, but then they can't find anything else in the same uh, in the same price range, in the same neighborhood. They're, 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 they have to be moving into new neighborhoods, and the poverty in Buffalo is slowly being forced out of these neighborhoods, and, and it's not being solved. It's just being moved into different areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first ring suburbs of Chittawaga and Kenmore and West Seneca, Lackawanna, the, the poverty is slowly moving out of the the city proper into these first ring suburbs because they have nowhere else to go. And this is, this is a direct result of mayoral policies because he is in the pocket of the developers and he is loudly cheerleading the policies that gentrify our neighborhoods. Well, and these trends certainly are, you know, the things we see here in Buffalo, perhaps we're the new bellwether. 
Okay, maybe maybe the things <laughs> that happen here are, are the sign of, of things that happen nationally. But Dave, you're our you're our national man on the beat. We're holding it down here in Buffalo, and and you're going out there, and you know you're in Sheboygan. Is that the city that they like to throw around? Right. Yeah. In Sheboygan, what do voiders 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 voiders? What are the voiders in Sheboygan? What are, what are the what are the the voider figures? Yes. <laughs> Sheboygan, so, Wisconsin, or Michigan? They're different. Oh well, see that's why we have you around to explain to us the difference. But no, listen, we have things going on here in Buffalo that I think certainly represent the, the national battles, whether it be uh, renters versus property owners, you know, the, the tax fight, the police fight. We're looking at this race now. Again, like we were talking before the show, like we're not used to having this kind of shine here in Buffalo, New York, by many, many miles, the, the, the most impactful race that we've had here nationally in for fucking ever, man. I, since since Teddy Roosevelt was inaugurated. Jesus, here. my God. So lay it on us. What do you think might be some of the the broader national implications or takeaways, or what are some things that some might be tempted to take away from this that that are ultimately an illusion or or some combination thereof? It depends on who wins. I think that a victory for Indy Walton won. I mean, I was kind of talking about, about the top a little bit that it would be. Oh, this 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 anchor of of the Rust Belt. How much you offended you guys are by the term, but this this city. And I'm not not that offended. I just called us a Midwest city, and yeah. not a I, I don't know if you noticed. I that. wasn't going to say anything, but that really got to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I don't know. I stay out of that fight because um, I, I I have a lot of Pennsylvania friends and spent time there, and they just, they're the ones that they're the nether zone. No one knows what to do with them. But uh, I think if she were. If she were to win, there would be national attention, the debate over uh, the Bill Stadium, things like that. I can see the people saying, okay, what is going to happen in her first year? And to game it out, not that I can predict things, but she will she'd be one of several progressive mayors that get elected this year. I mentioned Pittsburgh. Boston's set to, right. if it's not, Wu is favored in Boston. She's not like a socialist, but she's more progressive. She's more progressive than any mayor they've elected in a long time. And so, you know, they used to, this long run, run of like Catholic, Irish, and Italian mayors. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's only so long you can have elect a guy named Marty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think she'd be part, part of a wave and the question would be, okay, how does this work? The, the panic that people were talking about is capital moving out. Uh, is are, are police quitting or is she firing them? Because that's been more, more of the factor. There have not been cities. There have been. Uh, she, I mean, her policy is not is is you know like a tr is more attrition. But still, there I think there'd be eyes on that of how are they doing this. I think Republicans would talk a lot about it, and they don't need a lot to go after. I mean, the AOC's existence they basically pipe that in every campaign around the country. This, mm -hmm. There's the socialist in New York, therefore uh, by the transit of property, the person I'm running against is a socialist too. I think you'd see a lot of that if the mayor beats her. Then I think you would see the kind of takes you'd imagine. And I'm being a little bit hard here and thinking of the takes for people who like never would have set foot here, who just kind of like looked at it from afar. The easy take will be, oh, it looks like the Democrats like left flank is you know losing everywhere because uh, you could tie it into you know Nina Turner losing in Ohio and right. uh, things like that. Uh, and you would see on the left, it's this would be one of several cases where on paper, like the stakes for the Democratic Party are non-existent. It's a Democrat or it's it's well now right in, but somebody who if you talk to Zellner would welcome Brown back in the Democratic Party if he wins. You would see some of that, uh, I think, on the left of uh, what is the point of organizing these Democratic primaries if they're going to do runs around you and destroy you and sabotage you. I think those are the things. But her mayorality, I think, would be a gigantic deal. And his him coming back, I think it'd be a story for a little, I can't predict what everyone will write. I think it'd be a story for a little while of how he did it. 
and then people would move on. They wouldn't talk much about it because it's you know another four years. Somebody's been here sixteen years, right? I mean, well, it's the same thing like you know with with uh, what's his name in, in Detroit who won the write-in campaign. Yeah, Mike uh, Duggan. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it was a minor blip. Like, oh, can you believe somebody won a write-in campaign for something yeah. as large as the mayor of Detroit? after like three days who gives a shit like it's business as usual Uh, i do agree like you know she wins you know it's it's a big win for the left sure it's in a blue state in a blue city uh, although a, a pretty conservative blue city i mean you know if you ask most of your state reps in new york state like if you if you go hang out in albany Mm -hmm. dave and you talk to like the like 90 state assembly members who represent like new york city and long island yeah and you're like, what do you think of Buffalo? They'd be like, oh, it, isn't it basically Dubuque? <laughs> they have no idea. They just imagine we're a bunch of hayseeds, as Assemblyman Rivera said last week on the episode. <laughs> like, they like, just assume that like we're just a bunch of nonsense up here. I mean, you know, the thing that hasn't happened yet is uh, national figures have stayed away. I mean, obviously, the, you know, like the governor and the attorney general have stayed neutral, but national figures have stayed away. If something happened where... You know, well, AOC, who's in New York, but, you know, not here. If, if she got involved, if Sanders got involved, if Biden got involved, I do think national Democrats are, are constantly worried about being portrayed as too far left, being portrayed as socialist particularly. So um, you saw when Eric Adams wins, he goes to the White House. The party's very happy to have him as, like, a national surrogate. I think, despite some of the things we talked at the top about Brown and, and the, the, the FBI raid, I still think there'd be interest in making him a, a more of a face of the party. Book him on Sunday shows. You know, what's Byron right. Brown saying? See, I prove that we're not, a, we're not that left wing. However, it be a writing campaign where you got Republican votes to win. It wouldn't be one-to-one. Right. But this, I could see this, the the spin. I could you know write right here. I know exactly how people would 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 uh, argue if Democrats who were panicking about people portraying socialists. Look, cop got elected mayor of New York. Socialist, you know, got beat by a right-in candidate. You guys are crazy, and they'll kind of try to. I don't think they're very good well, at advancing that narrative. So, so what's so what's the what difference between like the two parties where like Eric Cantor gets crushed in a Republican primary, <laughs> and then the Republicans say like, yeah, fuck it, this is us, this is what we do now, mm-hmm. and the Democratic Party on a national level, like anytime like somebody who has like the aura of a socialist like comes close in election, and the Democratic establishment freaks out. So I was actually just thinking about this earlier, and I think it comes down to which party is afraid of their base. The Republicans are terrified of their base because their base has been driving the bus since about 2009, 2010. Right. I would argue since 1980, but whatever. Fair enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> that that could be made as well. But but the the GOP for the past at least two decades, and like you said, maybe more, has been a a from bottom up. Right. Like mm-hmm. we're going to tell you what we want, and if you're not in line with that, we'll find someone else. Whereas the Democratic Party, fed, you know, it basically says, "What are you going to do? Vote Republican?" Right. Right. They, they are top down. Say this is the guy that we're gonna we're gonna put in front of you. This is why we have like a 675 year old speaker house yes right. exactly like, like there are vampires who are younger than nancy Pelosi. Right. The, the gop average age in congress is like 20 years lower than the democrats and it's 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 reprehensible it's very embarrassing well i was just in in california they, it kind of bubbled up as an issue in the primary that diane feinstein is in her 80s uh has not said whether she's running for another term in, in 2024 uh and the chatter in dc and in california is like should she have gone for that term? But it, uh, but the only way it manifests the debate is like, look, if, if something happens to her, not not that it will, <laughs> that we need a governor who can who can replace her, and and the idea of having just had you know letting her get beaten in a primary unconscionable. Like you need right. to keep folks around, and and, it's, and that was pretty transactional. There's a lot of Democrats, in California, would say, 
look, yeah, she's got seniority, she's got a staff doing everything, and it's just a different way of viewing politics, and they're not afraid of their base at all. And California is very liberal in in ways that, again, like, Republicans don't believe, they just don't believe people would pay higher tax for gas on purpose, but they do, they want to. (laughs) Right. Um, And just, and and yeah, they take for granted, okay, you're going to vote, come on, you know, we know who you're going to vote for. Feinstein's a weird figure, because she's always been kind of right-wing in San Francisco, was liberal in the state in the 90s, and now is is right-wing for the state. But that's just, the party's not afraid of the base, um... And I'm not even one of those. I cover it pretty closely. I'm not one of those. Uh, you know, they had to to rig the primaries in order for Bernie to lose. I, it's I, I mean, they didn't rig anything in Ohio for Nina Turner to lose. It's just that they know the base. If you say, look, this person like went against the family. This person's too far left. The Democratic uh, instinct is. It really does come down to the idea, like, ooh, that would look bad. There's yeah, no way. My yeah. cousin really hates that. We <laughs> right, need to win that right. guy. I remember covering <laughs> Democrats in Iowa. One of the most common questions they got was not pitch me, not sell me on why you'd be a good president. I think that's a lot of that. It was, uh, it was, how do you win over that white guy in Michigan? And it was that they had they had this mission of the di- guy in the diner. This mythical person they made Yeah, up. and it was like, you need to win over the person who's not me and doesn't agree with us. And that is not a concern for Republicans. The concern for Republicans is there's definitely more of us, even though the party has not won the popular vote since uh, 2004. Definitely, There's definitely more Republicans than, than Democrats. If if it says it, uh, if the map says it doesn't, it's because it was rigged, and we don't need to change anything. <laughs> no, and the mythical yeah. guy goes back to what you were saying earlier yeah. about how the general voting population is not as conservative as all the people in power think it is. Right, right. Well, and and mm-hmm. look, I think it's pretty clear. If India Walton loses, this becomes a referendum on the DSA, and yeah. and we and we have Adam here uh, in part because we love him. He's our boy. You know, he's he's our beautiful boy. He used to have a mustache, Dave. Now he doesn't. I don't know why he shaved it off. Because Cabrini was... didn't need me anymore. Okay. Well, you had a great mustache, and we hope you grow it back. But no, you're you're our man on the take ground, that, Sarah. Yeah, take that, Sarah. <laughs> Uh, but you are a man on the ground in the DSA movement here in Buffalo. And I think it becomes pretty clear that if India Walton loses this race, that it will become, you know, the story of how the DSA, a self-avowed democratic socialist, lost a race to an establishment candidate, even though I think it's safe to argue that at this point in time, India Walton is now the establishment candidate here in Buffalo. She won the Democratic primary Ultimately, Byron Brown challenged the autonomy of the Board of Elections in in New York and lost and had his hand slapped. And the Democratic Party has put their full legal effort and and put all their resources behind keeping him off the ballot. Yeah. Yeah. So as as far as DSA is concerned, I think the DSA endorsement and the WFP endorsement were the two biggest things that happened to to the India Walton campaign back in the primary because WFP was so essential to us winning the primary. And then the DSA endorsement opened up the doors to to working with the people from downstate because New York City DSA has been doing this a lot longer than Buffalo DSA has. And nobody from Buffalo DSA would deny that. It's just that they have built up the electoral infrastructure that we are still building here. And so being able to work with their elected people uh, like Ferris Front Forest and Zaram Amdani and Jabari Brisport, you know, those people came out for us. They did uh, fundraisers for us. They're doing another one coming up next weekend. We're all going down to New York City. Very, very excited to, to finally meet these people in person. But those, those endorsements were absolutely absolutely huge. But the thing to remember about DSA is before AOC won in 2018, they took some big L's, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't just show up on the scene and start winning elections. They lost. And then they tried again. And then they lost a bunch more. And then one, maybe one or two. And then they kept going and going because you don't, and this is the detractors love to point out that, oh, you guys lost this many elections. But 
it's not like you can show up and you win 80 to 90% on day one. It's just unrealistic and it's just a way to undermine what the, the movement is actually building. And so that's, that's the only thing I would say is, yeah, okay, so the biggest Buffalo DSA endorsement is running for mayor of the whole city, won the primary, and if the you know the dark money somehow pulls it out and wins in the in the November general, that's not a a, a knock on Buffalo DSA or DSA in general. That just shows the power of money in politics, and that we have still more work to do. That's the only thing I would say about that. And I think the media infrastructure plays a role here. And and, and not, not want to overgeneralize, but I do th- just cover. I watch a lot of conservative media. I see how conservative media covers, and, and not just Fox, but the newer stuff like Right Side Broadcasting, OAN, etc. And in, if this was a similar situation, let's say, uh, you know, one of the, one of the Republicans who voted uh, to impeach Trump gets beaten in a primary, but they find a way to run as a writing candidate. The person who beat them would just be on Fox constantly. They would be promoting them. They'd be the national fundraising network. They would be interested in in uh, that. And that's a that's on the Republican Party. That's conservative media. And there's just not the same thing. For Democrats and for liberals, there uh, it's too complicated to get into, into this, but there isn't right now. There is not a cheering section for that. Mm-hmm. Even there's infighting in that. I mean, like the Young Turks has been as pro squad. It helps get people elected as possible, and they don't, get, and they're not trusted by other elements of the left. So you don't have the same uh, everybody everybody pull in the same direction attitude that you do. Because I just think that the media, I, you know, I'm in the media, so I guess maybe I'm inclined to give it a lot of credit in politics, but I do think it's been definitive in, in Republican politics is to their detriment. I mean, like that's what I saw in California is that you had even Larry Elder was conservative, but was moved to the right by conservative media because they're like, come on, you have to come and say that 2020 was stolen. No one, I mean, not no one in California, 75% of Californians don't think that, mm-hmm. but he got pushed into that. And there's not the same dynamic on the left. There's, I don't know if I, I need to go and check. I, I, I have not seen sympathetic interviews of India Walton on like an MSNBC or a NPR or things like that. Uh, not that I, not the way I would see if it was, right. if it was right. a mega guy, you know, winning right. and then would going on. Going well, Fox. I mean, speaking of that, we can, we have a local person. Reed hates when I bring him up. <laughs> Stefan Mahailu is county controller mm-hmm. uh, for right now. He's running for supervisor in the town of Hamburg. It's a second ring suburb. And he consistently brings up that his opponent, the democratic opponent got the working families nomination. So, all of his social media is like a picture of like India Walton mm. to fund the police is going to happen in your second ring suburb in the city uh, outside of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Even though that it's it's much lower than it is in the city, the, 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 the cop budget in Hamburg. Right, right, right. And the Republican supervisor of the town of Hamburg, who, who is re- retiring, has said none of the candidates, including the Democratic candidate, are going to reduce the budget of the, of the, share of the police office. Mm-hmm. But he keeps bringing this up. And Stefan has been on Fox News multiple times now mm-hmm. because he is like... He's he's banging the hammer against the working families party. Mm-hmm. No, oh, in the mask yeah. mandates. Yeah, and you don't. I think in some mask mandates, a great example. I think they just kind of get, uh, you know, led into the briar patch into something that's not that popular with, with uh, the public at large. But yeah, that doesn't exist on the left. There's not there's not like a national campaign to get people to pay attention to any while and advancing. And let's give you five minutes uninterrupted time on cable to explain what you actually would do in the, in the police. No, that's not that. That's not how it works. To be fair, they're not interviewing Byron Brown either. I mean, there is kind of myopia in a lot of liberal media about about national stuff it doesn't look that doesn't look as close. But no, I mean that, that's. I think there's more complicated stuff, and I think the mon- the money is is more important than that generally, especially in a race like this where look these lawsuits. Um, I think that the can't you know Walton campaign's been been victorious. That has helped. 
But that's, you know, money that could have been spent on something else that's being forced to spend that's not an issue for Brady. Even though he's suing, there's not, like, a, a funnel stopping because, I mean, I hear, I hear it. I mean, you see, and you see from the donors, of people who are convinced end of the world if he doesn't win. So they're just going to give him whatever he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think the same panic on the left, like, we're going to lose everything if India, if India Walton becomes does not become mayor. I've not seen that yet. No, and it's funny we're talking about the... Uh, I'll say it, Chud faction. Okay, because we we live amongst it here, Dave. We, we got we, it, like two day doors down. There's a, the Trump flag on that yeah. on the house. Yeah, a- yeah, absolutely. Yes, no. There's there's a lot of that here. So much so, in fact, that our our beloved little county, Erie County, had the second most amount of attendees at the January sixth uh, <laughs> insurrection uprising. Um, what do they call him? Just a visit. Uh, who's that guy in Congress? Who's like, oh, it's just people visiting the Capitol. <laughs> uh, Andrew Clyde. Yeah, Taurus. Taurus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just people coming for a visit. Yeah. Either way, we had the most people visiting Washington D.C. Second most, excuse me, second most amount of people visiting that day. That, so guy, we, that guy, that guy's great because there's footage, footage and photos of what was actually happening January six, and he he just looks like like Don Knotts and Andy Griffith, just like panicking <laughs> like crazy when he sees what's happening in the Capitol, and then you know five months later he gets his courage up and he's like, well, they were just tourists. <laughs> that, that is not what he thought at the time. <laughs> So we had a little rally today with that was much ado about nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if, how many people from Buffalo were there today. Yeah, I didn't wonder. I yeah. didn't see. I mean, th- so the thing today was, uh, I, I mean, I was here. I wasn't in D.C. Cause I knew that was, you know, the people I, I, I know who cover extremism writ large, all of it, said it was just not going to amount to anything. But yeah, as this group, basically this guy who's kind of like uh, trying desperately to turn his like five months working for Trump in 2016 into like a national conservative leadership position, which, I mean, he's seen other people do more with less. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, I think he, his organization, which lost his tax exemption because they didn't raise any money, they didn't, um, like he's raised six figures from announcing this rally and getting media attention. But that was like a couple hundred people who were in, and then 500 reporters covering that. But that made sense. That was January 6th was if, if you are, you know, reading the right Facebook channels, the president was telling you come to DC and you personally can help overturn the election. Whereas this is like those guys in jail, we should get them out. And, and people, <laughs> you know, there's there there's there's a little bit of sucks to be you for for being part of something that didn't work. It has not been the same motivator for people. And I don't know if anyone from Erie County, but like you know, compared to the thousands that went to D.C., almost nobody went went for this thing. Well, like, and it's fu- it's funny that you were down at the first ward parade today to to circle back to that because notoriously uh, now again this isn't like the first word parade proper because we had to cancel two saint patrick's day parades and now this is like the the makeshift one that people are just so desperate to be drunk in public again wearing green there were so many pedal pubs yeah but what were they doing for like they lost you know a year and a half of business oh. I'm, I'm like seriously like, there's an economy like nashville's nashville runs basically on bachelorette parties and they couldn't do them forever so like <laughs> i'm okay with people partying in public but yeah for I sure did, was, i had to explain to people on twitter because they're like did he just do a saint patrick's day parade <laughs> <laughs> just because he knew and i was like no it's a thing where they got screwed and it's <laughs> I, I, it's it, hard to explain how much people in buffalo just love to get together and get hammered okay. for no reason oh yeah whatsoever. I'm leaving all the local stereotypes to you guys. I'm not doing any of that. No, oh, no, we, we're, we're open okay. about it. We and are wide open. About any it. marathon you run, any 5K, and I think this is like exclusive maybe to the area, but there's always a booze fest afterwards. Oh. Is the slow, slow, well, slow roll, I imagine, because every state that's got like a big bike thing, every city, it, like the bike thing is like 30% stopping at, bra- at breweries on the way. Like Iowa has one where you go through the whole state and it's like bike, brewery, bike, brewery, et cetera. So 
I assume there's drinking as part of this uh, slow roll too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. that's oh, actually yeah. like yeah. the the least drinking thing oh. of all. But, it, but, right. But yeah, like the, it was Ryan was saying. The, the I'm sorry, snake. He's snake. <laughs> with the marathons, is you run for three and a half miles and then you drink twelve beers to your brain, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> that's a Saturday. Right. Well, and, and so my, my point here, though, was not to, not to get into the marathons and the slow roll, but merely to say that you were in an event today sure. in the city of Buffalo that was, in fact, probably primarily attended by people from outside the city, mm-hmm. whether they lived in that first or second ring suburbs. So it's kind of fascinating here on a local level to conceptualize that, hey, we had the second biggest county represented at January 6th. But also that they don't live in Buffalo, and yet they want to have a, a loud voice in Buffalo. So you might even see Byron Brown signs outside the city in and in suburbs. I've seen some of that, yeah. I mean, I've mostly been in the city, but when I was driving outside it, I was seeing, and I would check the map, because the, the city limits are not enormous. And I would look if I technically was in the city or not. And yeah, there's definitely some of that advertising. And uh, that's unusual in, in a city race. You usually don't want to spend that money to bother plunking a sign down in, in the suburbs. But they got those out of ring people, and they probably have relatives like, you got to vote. You got you to vote, vote in this race. Write in this guy. Uh, well, like, I'm not going to visit you, Mom, if you don't, if, if, if Andy <laughs> Walton gets elected. I don't know. I don't know. Ben Carlisle did go to the Bills game looking for, for petition signatures this past weekend. So you never know who well, you're going to... Uh, uh, that's part of the strategy. If, if you get enough signatures, you can't make them all illegal. <laughs> Ben Carlisle would have went to the moon to go for signatures. <laughs> so yeah, you know, look, we have we certainly have the chud factor here in Western New York, and, and ultimately this kind of pivots into well, we have we have the proto chud. We do. We have Carl Paladino. Carl yeah. Paladino. Carl Paladino, a South Buffalo resident, even still to this day, who is still mad as hell. Is still mad as hell, and uh, fervently on primary night was supporting Byron Brown until basically Byron was like, look. Man, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 not me, it's you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, as of like two weeks ago, Carl, for no reason whatsoever, called up the investigative post and called the mayor of Mope and said he would take his chances with the fucking broad. He'd say he'd fight him outside the malt shop, too. Is <laughs> and so we now we've got Carl. Did Bell- he call from the year 1953? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think Carl's ever left 1953. <laughs> It was a rotary phone. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned to Jeff that I think like we're literally like a week away from Carl announcing his own write in campaign, Mm. Uh, which which would absolutely screw things up for for the mayor, which crushed the mayor. Because Mm -hmm. like, you know, again, we go back to Rusty's analysis and, you know, he's our stats guy and he called he has as a coin flip right now. But that's with the mayor winning like 95% of the Republicans and conservatives who come out. Yeah. And if Carl comes out and says, write me in, well, then it's over. That part of it. I mean, the, the strategy, uh, and I, I even think, uh, I may have been talking to you guys about this, but the risk of, of winning a lawsuit where a libertarian get on the ballot legitimately and that'd be an option for some of those people it, uh, who otherwise are going to vote for Brown would not be good for him. I mean, I think they're trying to build a connection where you have to vote like it's suck it up even if you don't like me i'm your only choice i mean i still think the great not in the way that i i think it was good that this is the slogan one of the great slogans of all time was uh, harold washington's running for mayor in 1983 in chicago and his opponent's a white republican with the slogan before it's too late <laughs> and that was that was kind of that's kind of the vibe from the people i talked to is like this is we got to do this like we have to stop her if they got confused at all then right. that vote was wow. split and i don't think there's a lot of Democrats, especially I, I do think the mayor's annoyed some people 
um, through this through petition drive. I mean, uh, other people who've won um, write-ins haven't even done that. I mean, I, right. I mentioned Lisa yeah. Murkowski. wasn't even an option. It was like, all right, you know my name. Here's how it is. It was. It was, it was none of the. Uh, let me go around and find find a judge. I think that that probably hurt him more than it helped. It would have right, helped more yeah. if he got on the ballot. I, I think that story hurt more than it helped. So it probably lost some more Democrats from that. They don't like it when it looks like a politician's just climbing on. And I, frankly, I've met people who voted for Trump, and that's what they annoy or annoy with Trump is like you lose, you just could stop. <laughs> like right, you, like you don't don't st- keep pretending that you won. And I've heard that from people who voted for Trump. Not like a political, not an ideological issue, but I have heard some of that. And I think he's a little sensitive to that. Uh, but he, I mean, I was in a place with him today where nobody thought that, obviously. They were just, they just needed to stop him. Yeah. Right. Stop uh, Walton, I should say. All the way back to my undergraduate degree, I've been like a. Uh, Where'd you where'd you go to school, Jim? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> but I did go to Notre Dame, Ray, so it doesn't matter. No, you, even better, St. Bonaventure. Right. I've been like a, a proselyte of this idea. Like, you can't run on the idea of. Don't vote for the other person. You have like you have to give them a reason to vote for you. And I worry that Byron is running on the don't vote for India Walton, and which is really like it's tough if you're on the ballot. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible when they have to write you in. And I, like I always point to like John Kerry being an example of this. Mm-hmm. Like George W was underwater popularity wise when that 2004 election came out but john Kerry basically ran a well i'm not george w bush don't vote for him and he got crushed there are people who can win with that but i was surprised just in the paid media um you could i'm not like giving out campaign advice but look i mean i, I again i was talking to walton voters who will say well there yeah there's some things not in my neighborhood but there are things that are better he could you know, run on that like mm-hmm. look at the progress you made look how we could slide back it could be the second part of it uh maybe that's gonna be part of it i mean they've got five weeks and now obviously after the courts uh weighed in absolute belts are going out soon i'm surprised there hasn't been more of it because you can make like a positive argument like you keep me around uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep. I, I, I look at, look at how things have turned around. It's not. I've seen people incumbents in trouble, and they can't even point to anything that's gotten better. Right. But yeah, I haven't seen that as much from. In the interview, he, he emphasized some stuff, but it was like it was when I pushed. I mean, a lot of the, and no one was coming to him saying thank you for turning for my um, value of my home going up eighty uh, percent. It wasn't that. It was thank you for running and saving us from the socialist. Right. So I don't know though. I mean, um, I don't. Uh, I, I, I can see. With the with some of those voters, just the idea of that of Walton becoming mayor is enough. That's going to be enough. I don't know if it's fifty percent plus one enough, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I think that is that's new, man. Like there's not that many mayors races where people are like, do I vote for the socialist or the other person? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Milwaukee 70, 80, 80, 90 years ago, uh, you know, dot dot dot, <laughs> and then right. this basically. <laughs> right, 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 wait. Like I guess like you could throw in like Burlington to Vermont. I, well, like. that's true. I forgot literally the most famous socialist in America. <laughs> But uh, but in that race, I mean, um, yeah, he was the here is here is my agenda for the city that I'm going to enact if I win. And his opponents didn't take him seriously. And the second time, it was all just let's go after the socialists. But they were on the ballot. He was on the ballot. It wasn't the same dynamic yeah. you're talking about here, yeah. where you got to say, remember the mayor. I mean, part of it just the you know, the signs is true. The signs are omnipresent. It's hard not to see the right down by Brian bounces. They got those planted everywhere. Right. But they yeah, don't say uh, oh, for yeah. these reasons. Yeah. Whether whether or not those are on people's private property or yeah. their empty city, lots, city owned property, or I've seen enough landlords. Like, yeah. Landlords love to put down Byron Brown signs and then threaten the tenants that if they put any India signs, they will be evicted. Yeah, I've heard that from many different tenants. Uh, and, and it, as I, I don't know if you noticed, you know, we were on the west side yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, going down Richmond. There's a big church on Richmond. 
and they've got a giant right down Byron Brown sign. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not a lawyer, Adam, but. I don't know how much churches are allowed to get involved in political campaigns. Is it, is it, is it Catholic church or different kind? It's it's a it's a different Christian denomination. Oh, okay. Because I think maybe maybe the Pope wrote something I didn't notice, but otherwise, yeah. <laughs> so as it turns out, it, he writes a lot. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to say Take I'm the vaccine and vote for Byron Brown. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not uh, not an expert on election law, but churches can't do that. <laughs> But no. who's going to go after him? I mean, and like, that's what it always comes I down to. If I'm Indy yeah. Walton, I don't have a press conference outside the church and be like, "Take this down." Right, I'm right at the church. Like, I'm every, going after the churches. Right, <laughs> and every time we have take something it, that it. comes out in do the Sinead O'Connor, take a terrible picture of Jesus. Yeah, right. It every time investigative post or public accountability initiative puts out a report. Oh, Brown violated campaign finance law again, or he violated this, whatever. It always comes down to well, who's going to do anything about that? And that it's always nobody. It's always nobody, and nothing happens. Like they're just flaunting it because they know they can get away with it. It's all laws, though. Like I, I will confess, uh, you know, hopefully no police are listening to this podcast. I in my life have run a red light, oh, <laughs> like, and I was pretty confident oh, nobody's going to cut the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty. It's like I'm pretty confident I'm going to get away with this. You know, you, you get a legal regime where it's like, well, we kind of know. Like the FEC for years was split. Because just Republicans didn't appoint appointees to it, and they just couldn't rule on anything. And that was it was open season. People were just doing clearly illegal stuff for like three years because they knew that no, there was literally no legal force that was going to get them for it. Yeah. So so as we wind down here, and you know, again, I think it's still a very close race. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of anything else, like you have a long tenured incumbent who is running a, a heavily financed and back campaign against an upstart who now has the support of the party infrastructure and is going to be the only person represented on the ballot. That being said, I mean, I'm not assuming Indy Walton is going to win, but I, I think that if you're handicapping it, you'd likely say India Walton is going to be the winner of this race. And what really sort of tipped me off was Carl Palladino abandoning ship on Byron Brown that ultimately, and this is, this is the, the drum that I've been banging for a while here is that the, the powers that be might be standing down. They're saying, okay, look, we had to have nominal support for the Byron Brown campaign, but we will make more hay out of attacking India Walton for four years and attacking the crime rate in the city of Buffalo, which there was a a spike in crime over the summer, which amazingly didn't get tied to Byron Brown, that it actually became an attack on India Walton, even though she wasn't mayor. I mean, Trump tried this in 2020. It was a... Look at these look at this crime. Look at these riots. It's just Joe Biden exists and might be president at some point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, at at this point, like we we know what the playbook is going to be. I I think that a lot of the development class here in Buffalo, or you know, the pro police factions here, will know what to hit on. Even with uh, Carl Palladino saying that if India Walton gets elected to be mayor, that she won't have much power anyway. Mm-hmm. So, what I guess. Well, there's a couple of things there, right? Like the developers are like, they're not looking like they don't have to make all their money in the next two to three years. They're not living paycheck to paycheck. They can survive a four year term of mayor, you know, with Carl saying like she won't be unopposed. So what's happened with Byron since he's been mayor for 16 years is that the common council has basically said, sure, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there was a story like last year that the common council passed a law for the first time in 20 years. It was a local law and they didn't know how to do it. 
It's <laughs> like the he got, he got vetoed for the first time in his 16 year tenure. Right. But literally like they didn't know what steps to do yeah. to institute a local law because they had it had been so long even though Joe Golombek's been North Central Council uh, councilman since like Grover Cleveland was president, <laughs> they did it none of them remembered how to do it. We have like Chris Scanlon who's South District Councilman, Joe Golombek up in up in north among others who like are vehemently opposed to India Walton. So she would be a mayor who actually had some opposition, even though the common council is nine Democrats. Mm, yeah, I can see, I, those dynamics I can see playing out. I mean, that's and what you laid out with Republicans running against it. I, I, I could it's very easy for me to figure out like what January and February look like on in conservative media mm-hmm. um, locally and then nationally. It would be. Um, what is happening with this? I mean, uh, look at how, you know, um, MSNBC covers Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? It would be, I think, maybe if there was less interest in her before, there'd probably be like a like some time spent to say, let's get her fulfilled. What did she say? What's the what's the thing she did? Uh, these cops are saying they're going to quit. You see, basically, anytime that uh, police threaten to quit in, in a liberal-run city, that's, that's a national story. Right. Uh, because it blows. So I think there, it would... Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't be hard to try to undermine her. I'm saying like the the machinery, like you push a button, and and I think there's a there's both national and local opportunities to undermine what she'd be doing, both stop well, her from doing. It. And this is the thing: the Sanders experience in, in in Burlington for his first two years, they just didn't let him do anything. Uh, they had a majority on the council, and they said, "You're going to be gone soon." Yeah. I mean, I feel like you'd probably get so that kind of response locally, nationally. I think you would get uh, Republicans saying like. Uh, in 2022 and this is what if democrats think about this race at all who it's that's what they worry about is go we're gonna have one more person we're gonna have to answer for like don't worry if you keep us in power we're not going to do what she did mm-hmm. um but I can see that very easily. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, so it applies to 2022. I talk mm-hmm. about Mike Caputo talking about he wants to run for the state assembly seat. Mm-hmm. And that state assembly district overlaps with the South Buffalo First Ward where you were today. Yeah, he'd totally go for those voters. Yeah. He would totally go for those voters. And he would be playing up like the India Walton socialist ruining like police are quitting. And if I'm him, I run like if I'm, I'm going to introduce a bill. Let's like recall your uh, your mayor or something like that. You know, right. find some way yeah. to really say, "Don't worry, we can we can end this before before it gets too bad." Yeah. Well, and we were talking before too that ultimately, like the city of Buffalo has been uh, carrying debt for quite some time, and that the Biden administration's recent bailout efforts has has helped Buffalo significantly, but that those funds won't be available in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So. Look, socialist mayor confronts, you know, budget crunch and, you know, look at it. She's over her head, et cetera. Right, right. And and not even though Byron Brown spent down a hundred million dollars in reserves. Well, everybody's going to forget that. You know, I mean, look, everybody's got a goldfish brain. But my point is like and I put on our little whiteboard here, the future of the left, which Dave Weigel's going to answer for. He's going to account for. (laughs) I also put an empire of dirt because. And India Wald could be inheriting here in Buffalo and also a lot of left leaning socialists, whatever, you know, whatever classification you want to put to that. If this is a trend that just extrapolating out like the supply chain and the economy as a whole, which here at the square, we know exactly what's going to happen with the economy. Right. Do not read any other source. Don't right. listen to any other podcast about it. Just listen Buy to Dogecoin. Yeah. Right. right yeah, <laughs> right. Buy gold. To the moon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> eat, eat shit, Justin Wolfers. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we're, we're already on top of that. But I mean, you could see a world where you do see more left leaning or socialist candidates taking over 
including India Walton. But what are they going to inherit when they get there? Like, is this mm-hmm. ultimately something where they walk into just uh, this huge trap that's waiting for them? Yeah, I don't think the trap would be, if there's a trap, would it get sprung until 2023? Because you're going to have Democrats are trying, and every little development gets big uh, headlines, but they're trying to line up a lot. I mean, they, they want, I mean, Joe Biden wants to be traveling to all around the country, cutting ribbons, making sure stuff's fun. And I don't think that that train would run out until next year. Sorry, uh, until until the end of 22, until like 2023. But no, and I, I was thinking first of the of the sort of police rebellion, because I've seen that already. But it's very easy, right? You know, we like this person, oh, and, and the party's over. I mean, that happens in just non, you know, non-socialist Democrats. There are a lot of Democrats who won 2006, and they happen to be in, in charge during the, the recession. And Republican Army's like, well, you elected them. Look what happened. Right. It's very easy to undermine them and then just, like, wipe out their power. Well, Paging uh, Mr. de Blasio. Yeah. Right. Well, or, or as I pointed out to us before we, we sat down to the show, that's essentially what happened to Jimmy Carter. Yeah, was like you know like you well, know, and, we, and, well he was Volker he, tells him you need to like tackle inflation. He's like, all right, run for re-election by <laughs> like driving unemployment up, to, <laughs> month month. Yeah. which was how you fight inflation. You know, the austerity is how you fight inflation. It's how you lose. Yeah, right. Jimmy Carter, obviously, compared to now, he's a leftist. Compared to 1976 Democrats. Not a leftist. No, undermined every. I mean, they had all these openings. Yeah. Like for for you know, there was a national health care bill they could have passed. There were there were like stimulus bills they could have passed. There was a bunch of liberal legislation they just got spooked out of pass. I mean, we probably would have the consumer finance not the, not the Warren version of it, but we would have had consumer finance law in the seventies. But Dem, you know, Carter got squeamish and Democrats got squeamish in the lobby. Right. Or, or, or I mean, like I think back to like seventy two with like uh, Nixon, and like there was a chance for like universal basic income and nixon opposed it because it wasn't enough mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then at the same time ran against uh mcgovern for wanting it too but right. it was nixon he was good at this right well uh, the republican party has for a, like a long time been very good at opposing something and then running on its merits afghanistan baby let's tackle that we'll let's go let's go <laughs> that's my favorite ex- current example is like we're the party that's going to get out of afghanistan and how dare you know <laughs> or, 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 and, and I'm, I really don't want to get a whole thing about it, but but like specifically the erasure of how Trump ran on doing what's happening now, and yeah. now he's running as the guy who never would have let it happen. He very did easy the deal. to do. Yeah, very <laughs> right. easy to turn it around. We um, did the yeah. deal. He, we, he did the deal. Yeah. We always joke here, Dave. We're not we're not the sports podcast, and we're not the Jimmy Carter slash slash Nixon podcast. We could be, but we're closer to the Carter Nixon podcast. <laughs> this is a Grover Cleveland podcast. We are a Grover Cleveland yeah. podcast now. So with that. I think we're, we're nearing the end here. Adam Bojack, thank you for joining us here today. Adam, is there anything you want to get out there for the listeners? I'm just I'm just ready. What else are we going to solve tonight? We're solving so many nationwide well, we'll, problems. We'll find out when we get to the pink. Yeah, we'll drink uh, some more beers and we'll solve we'll solve everything. We're finally going to figure out what's better, blue cheese or ranch. Oh, so. well, and and we're gonna we're gonna put the screws to Dave Weigel here uh, about blue cheese or ranch. Not not on air. I'm not. No. That's too controversial. Even more controversial. That's the Midwest. Midwest is when you dip ranch and uh, everything in ranch. Right. right. Yeah. You're, you're in blue cheese territory, baby. Oh well, then this is this is like you know the East Coast decadence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We're the East Coast decadence, but. Right, yeah. we're we're basically Providence. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Dave Weigel. You know you're you're about to get the square bump. Is there anything that you would like to promote? Uh, we can find. Yeah. Where, where can we find you on the internet? Twitter more frequently than than probably is is good. 
uh, at, at Dave Weigel on Twitter. Uh, I write the post-campaign newsletter, the trailer, that uh, it, it goes from three days, depending on how, how, how the campaign is, two days currently. Um, so that there'll be stories about this, really through the election, I think. I mean, there's going to be a large story about it uh, this week, and then I'll be covering it. I wrote a book about progressive rock that everyone should still buy. Whether or not you like progressive rock, you know a dad who does. Just buy it and right, give it yeah. to him. Yeah. Right. You I mean, know an we, uncle. Everyone has uncles. Look, we, yeah. we live in Buffalo. Like 90% of what we grew up on was listening to Rush. That's right. No, I mean, which is in the book. I write, I write about <laughs> progressive rock radio in the book. So everyone who lives this podcast... Uh, your account has already been deducted. Twenty about dollars have been deducted. <laughs> Congratulations! Check your Kindle. It's I was coming. just listening to Yes the other day. This is yeah. perfect. Yeah. No, I, and I let me let me tell you. Like I'm going to speak this for all. This is more of Rush here. though, because Rush could get the the the, the, the you know, Toronto right. The, the Toronto yeah. point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I'll speak for for both. Well, at least Jim and myself. I'm sure Adam and and Ryan, but. I, I'm so geeked out to have Dave on the show because you are the avatar for the particular brain disease that I that I had. Like I remember just like following the 2008 Democratic primary and being like, "Ooh, what what happened today? Like, what Woody Barbs did <laughs> Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama share today?" And, and you were covering it, you know. And I'm just like, man. What a what an honor to have uh, the the guy who was on the beat for the the 2008 primary, amongst other things, yeah, on our podcast. So thanks, Dave, for joining us. Really appreciate it, man. Glad yeah. to have you. Great here. to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you guys as always for having me. Well, uh, of course. Well, you'll be on here again, Adam. You you you're gonna get the free sub eventually, but.